This is the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. Ever wish you could re-listen to your favorite interview or segment? Do you enjoy hearing older shows for the first time in years? Then the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less is just what you need. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to this edition of the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. Today's show comes from September 20th, 2011. First up, Greg Rempe. He had a bad day at work. Followed by Meathead. It's kind of a mix mash today. Combination of segments. But once Greg gets through his debacle, he and Meathead are going to talk a little temperature. Let's get to it. Here is Greg Rempe, then Greg Rempe, and Meathead from September the 20th, 2011. Friends, I am here to, what do they call when you go into rehab? Testify to you here before we bring on Meathead. There is a secret that is happening in your places of work as we speak right now. And maybe you're not at work. Maybe some of you are. You should be getting back to work by now, my friend. But there is a seed of demons out there, the likes that we have no idea, and they are maraudering around us. They are intertwined in the very fabric of our being, of our subculture. We work with them. They are our co-workers. They should be called rat bastards. You know who they are. You work in an office. You work in a factory. You have some type of general refrigerator where you can put something that you've made from freaking scratch to keep cold so you can enjoy it on your lunch break. And these sons of bitches find their way clear, take it upon themselves to go into the refrigerator and steal your goddamn lunch and then they eat it. Get that big stuff out of here. Who are these people going in to the refrigerator and stealing your lunch and sitting right down at the table while you're not there and consuming your lunch, not theirs, your lunch? And they don't feel bad about it one bit. Worse than serial killers and they're working among us. I am here to warn you. I am here to start. If I had a whistle, I would be blowing it right now. I am blowing a whistle on you, lunch thief. You know who you are. You son of a bitch. You sit there and you take my lunch with my name on it. With my name on it, and you don't care, you blow right through the bag, you reheat my meal that I was going to eat, and you eat it. Why? Why didn't you bring your own lunch? Why don't you go down to the fast food place that's three seconds away and buy your own lunch? But no, you have no problem pulling open the handle of the refrigerator and saying, hmm, what's around here for me to eat today? Whoa, there's rampy stuff. Looks pretty good. I'm going to eat it. Where's the buffer? Where's your morals? Where are your scruples? Let me tell you where they are. They're right at the bottom of the toy where you left your shit because you ate my lunch, you fuck. Yeah, maybe it happened to me more than a few times where I'm working. Do you want to know the... And I caught the guy red-handed. His name is Ray. No names, please. 
rule of the show, I know. Sorry. His name is Ray. Ray Harris. And he's a short little midget of a man. No offense, midgets, right? No offense. I had, I donated my time the other day. We had some inner city youth coming to AT&T three hours before we open so we could share with them what we do for career, career day. They could ask us questions. They could see all the phones and all this happy horse crap. Who cares? Lunch was catered in for the students because they were going to be missing lunch while they were at AT&T facility. And then, and then they uh, let us, the four or five reps that were there, uh, not Ray, they gave us the extra box lunches to eat as a, as a way of saying thank you, employees. Uh, here are some crappy lunches. So I took the buffalo chicken sandwich lunch because it looked delicious. So I put it in the refrigerator. And then when I went back, I was looking forward to it all day. I was like, yeah, buffalo chicken sandwich. Love it. Open up. Opened up the refrigerator. And guess what? Uh-oh. Not there. Sorry. I'm like, well, what the hell? Well, here comes young Raymond walking back to grab a couple of phones that he's working with because he had lunch an hour before me. And I said, Ray, have you seen my uh, buffalo chicken sandwich? He said, yeah, I ate it. Uh-oh. What? <laughs> you did what? He's like, yeah, I ate it. I said, Ray, was your name on it? No. Okay. So why did you eat it? Well, it was just in there and it's buffalo chicken. So I ate it. It was good. <laughs> It was good. Ray. Uh, Ray, your name wasn't on it? Yeah. So why does it make it okay for you to eat it if my name isn't on it? If your name isn't on it and my name isn't on it, we could probably both presume that it's nobody's. Well, I'm sorry, that it's somebody's, and it's definitely not ours because our name isn't on it. But I knew it was mine because I took it because I was here helping the youth. Helping the youth become more educated about ways that they can grow and prosper as adults. Well, you should have put your name on it, Gary. I said, well, I shouldn't have to put my name on it when your name isn't on it either, Ray. Uh-oh. So just be aware, folks, that there's people that are working amongst you who are thieves. They will. What's worse, slaughtering somebody in the street or stealing somebody's lunch? I can make an argument for both. That's all I can say. I can make an argument for both. So, geez, Louise. I'm sorry. I didn't want to. I didn't want to do that today. I really didn't want to do that today, but. Sometimes we have to call out those people that we work with. And I know Ray isn't necessarily uh, what you would call a listener to the show all the time. But if you got some type of rat bastard that is working with you who has the scruples of scum of the earth, who will sit there and take your lunch when your name is on it and doesn't give a crap about you and eats it. Watch out! These people are among us, and I'm here to call them out, and it's happened to me. Sons of bitches. All right, let's race over to the hotline, bring up monthly guests to the show. It's Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. Meathead, how are you, buddy? I'm great, Ray. <laughs> Ray, yeah! I'm now, Greg. 
Meathead, uh, let me ask you a question because you are a man who is uh, well experienced in life in general. I'm sure you spent time in settings as uh, I am discussed. Have you ever run into the lunch bandit, that scumbag that works among us? I w- I've been meaning to talk to you about the time you brought the ribs. <laughs> Meathead joining us here on the show talking about thermometers and I will transition, of course, now into cooking temperatures and I guess, you know, why 225 and 325 are crucial uh, temperatures. So go ahead and let us in on that secret. Well, I, I think they're really good numbers. You know, something I think everybody should do is dry run their grills and smokers. Nobody really thinks to do this. Go out there one Tuesday afternoon and fire the sucker up and don't waste any meat on it. Just test the thing with a good thermometer and see how much charcoal you need, what vent settings you have to do to get it to and shoot for these two numbers, 225 and 325. And see, where. learn your instrument. Learn your instrument. Like a pianist, learn your instrument. Learn control of it. Um, and do this whenever you get a new, new instrument. You don't need meat in there to do this. There's no point in wasting good meat. Just fire it up and get, get it dialed in. Um, calibrate it. Of course, you've got to break it in first anyhow. You've got to burn it through to get all the grease off of it. And then just get a sense for what vent settings will get you where you want to go. Um, uh, 225 it seems to be 225, 250 seems to be the range that a lot of barbecue chefs like um, for things like low and slow ribs and pulled pork and brisket. Although a lot of brisket cooks now take it up a lot higher, um, and and certainly pork shoulder can handle a higher temp. But it's a nice number to get to and get comfortable with um, as a good low and slow number, and it's a good number because. It's below the temp at which a lot of things start happening inside the meat that you don't want to happen. Um, uh, it's a temp, uh, well, it's just barely above boiling temp. To put in your request for a future show, please contact John Solberg via email at john, J-O-N, at the bbqcentralshow.com. That's right. You got an idea for a show? You want to hear something? I'll go find it for you. Like the big man said. Reach out to me at John, J-O-N, at the bbqcentralshow.com. Love to do it for you. I'm not going to mess around here one bit today. Let's jump right back into Greg and Meathead from September the 20th, 2011. Uh, Well, it's just barely above boiling temp, but... Um, you're not going to get boiling. You're going to get um, th- there's a lot of protein mixed into liquid, so they don't really boil at 212. Um, it-, it just seems to be a temp that a lot of the, the old pros have been using, and it's a good number to to, to master. And 325 is another good number to master because the Maillard effect, which is the browning effect. I mean, everybody loves the brown crust of a prime rib. Everybody loves the brown crust on a marshmallow. Everybody loves toasted English muffins. That browning is a chemical reaction uh, and a physical reaction called the Maillard effect or the Maillard reaction, some people call it, uh, which is um, amino acids and sugars on the surface go through a uh, change in their molecular structure, a denaturing, and uh, uh, they, they, they get dark. 
browning. Brown is good and brown is flavorful. And that really starts to kick in and accelerate at around 310. Now, it happens at lower temps, um, but it really seems to be, um, 310 seems to be a sweet spot for my art. So 325 is a good number for things like turkey and chicken. Um, when you want to brown that surface, or roasts, where you want to brown that surface. Um, and, and, and while you're at it, you know, learn how to get up to 400 or 425. Get yourself so that you can walk out there with a piece of meat and say, I need to cook this at 325. And you know just what to do. You know where to set things up, how much charcoal to light on fire, or where to turn the dials on your gas grill, or... And um, away you go. And you, now you've got mastery of your, uh, your instrument. And uh, uh, I've got some good tips on my site about how to uh, break in and uh, calibrate an, a new grill, uh, some tricks that will work for you. One of the things that I like to do, especially on a gas grill, is I take uh, white bread and I spread it uh, all across the surface of the grill, you know, an inch apart, make a, a grid of white bread. Uh, and uh, it, it will cook at different rates. And there's a picture of that on the website. You can see the right-hand side of the grill I'm demoing here uh, cooks a lot hotter than the left-hand side. So you got a hot spot, and that's nice to know, too. Now, uh, one of the points that I was going to make, and uh, one of the listeners in the chat room, Diane the Young me, actually made it, too. As you're mastering these temperatures, you're also going to have to keep into an account that every day isn't going to be like every other yeah. day past. If you are out there yeah. and it's 85 degrees and there's no mm -hmm. wind, blah, 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 it's going to be a different 225 or 325 that is going to be when it's 32 degrees below zero or it's mm -hmm. 65 and windy or there's raining. So there is uh, some type of a ramp up time. Probably good to get out and, and mix in some different weather patterns as well. Yeah, yeah. Wind. Wind is a big factor. Rain's a big factor. I mean, that's why it is uh, both a craft and an art, and uh, it's not as regular. I mean, indoors, you've got a thermostat, you've got you know pretty much temperature, wind, no rain control in there. Uh, but outdoors, it's a little more ragged, a little rougher, and that's a real good point your uh, listener is bringing up because uh, it can make a huge difference. And you want to get a handle on that too. I use a cooking log. Um, I have just a you know a PDF. It also is up on my website if anybody wants to print out my cooking log, and I write down where I got the meat, what rub I'm using on it, when I put the rub on it, um, how long it sat at room temp, what temp the grill was at when I put it on, or the smoker was at when I put it on, um, how long I cooked it, uh, did I open the vents uh, at a certain point, did I add more wood. And I just log what I'm doing, and I got a stack of these logs around here, and they they're really educational when you sit down and look at them. All right, so uh, as we're we're kind of wrapping up here towards the top of the hour, best temps for beef, pork chops, chicken. Well, um, you know everybody's taste is different, um, uh, but I am. Uh, uh, let's let's talk about I, I, again. I I really don't mean to sound like I'm plugging too much, but I do have a chart Go that I produced. Um, that shows what USDA recommends and what most chefs recommend um, uh, so that, you know, for example, USDA says cook your steaks to a minimum of 145 Fahrenheit and then let them rest for three minutes. At that temp, and actually I have some really cool photographs on this temperature guide that I did with a 
sous vide machine. I won't get into it, but it's a really pre precise control. And I took this big old uh, hunk of tenderloin and put it in the sous vide machine and took it up to 120 and sliced it off and photographed it. Took it up to 130, sliced it off and photographed it. And you can see these photographs. But at 145, you're really in the medium well, the low medium well to medium range. And I think you're beyond medium rare, which is, I think, ideally in the 125 to 135 range, depending on your taste. I shoot for around 130 usually, and um, uh, that's where I think a lot of the top steak chefs shoot for steaks. Um, there are tests that they do for tenderness. You can run a machine over a steak and puncture it, and it'll measure the resistance. It'll measure the moisture. And it seems that in that range, they're the most tender and juicy. Um, for pork, uh, pork steaks, uh, pork chops, USDA just lowered the temp for the first time in memory and said it's okay to get them off at 145. And that's a good number, I think. It's a little pink, a little cream colored, but it's most, more, much more tender and juicy than it used to be at the old temp. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of chefs will take them maybe to 140 or 135. That may be too pink for some people's aesthetic, uh, but those are good temps. But when it comes to burgers, when it comes to ground meat, when it comes to sausages, um, when it comes to poultry, chicken, and um, uh, turkey, you don't want to screw with the USDA temps. They are the temp that will kill bugs practically instantly. They want you to do them in the 160 to 165 range. Now, there's a but here. You can actually kill them all at 130, but you got to leave them at 130 for two or three hours. That's really hard to do on a grill. Um, we haven't got time to talk about that now. Maybe another day. I do have a discussion of that on my website. All right, let's uh, let me leave you with this, and I'm glad we have the the four minutes left. I was uh, conducting moderating a barbecue chicken roundtable for a backyard enthusiast. Had nothing to do with competition, and somehow. We got into a conversation of, you know, leaving stuff out and, you know, at least from my very humble beginnings as a, a rookie barbecue guy, I was always told, you know, put the meat on the smoker as cold as it can go, better smoke ring and longer to build a smoke ring, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden somebody said, well, yeah, I don't mind leaving chicken out for hour and a half two hours before it goes on the cooker. And after I shit my pants, I immediately thought of you. And I said, there's no way. So I immediately uh, went into the chat room and I said, is anybody else as skeeved out as I am about leaving yeah. raw chicken out for two hours? And yeah, you know am. what? All the, everybody, no, nah, it doesn't bother me. Doesn't bother. I was the only one that was concerned for life and limb. So as yeah. somebody who obviously is well tied into the FDA, and yeah. you're a KCBS um, judge. You've seen these competitions. I can't imagine it's probably probably too far fetched. Is this not the most absurd thing you've ever heard? The 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 issue is is that it is really hard nowadays to grow chicken commercially um, and keep salmonella out of there. They can, but it's hard. And you almost always ought to approach chicken thinking that there's a high likelihood and there's a risk. And um, one of the problems is is that after they pluck them, they dunk them in liquids, and there's contamination potential there. It can get into the muscle. So leaving it sit around for a couple hours, 
microbes can multiply. They can double and triple in just an hour. It's really risky to do that with chicken. Now, steak is another issue. Steak, the contamination is E. coli, not salmonella usually. It tends to be on the surface. Um, As soon as you hit the hot grill, you kill it. It doesn't get into the meat. So I have less concerns, and a lot of experienced chefs will leave it sit out for a half hour, an hour to warm the interior. But I think it's highly risky, uh, and I wouldn't recommend that you let chicken sit out for an hour. Um, take it from the fridge right to the grill. All right. Well, uh, it's, 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 it's rare that on two separate occasions we actually agree on, uh, on two separate things. Uh, God, but luckily we, we do. Fix this. I mean, we gotta we gotta start mixing it up a little bit more. Uh, it is uh, Meathead Goldwyn. He joins me every month. We have great conversation. I always appreciate the time, Meathead, and we will look for you again next month. My fun. All right, take care. There he is. It's Meathead. Amazingribs.com is the place to go uh, to check him out. Great conversation. Lots of in-depth stuff with thermometers, and then we got into cooking temperatures. I don't care what any of you people say. Leaving chicken out for two hours is freaking crazy. It really bothers me to no end. should bother him to no end. It is crazy. It's insane. Just leave your chicken laying around. Really cautious about where I eat food. Everybody, everybody in the barbecue and grilling game should at least take a safe serve food and or class, but that's that's a soapbox I'll stay off of. Again, you want to get a hold of me, John, J-O-N, at the BBQCentralShow.com. Love to hear some feedback, good, bad, or indifferent. Let me know you're listening. Let me know you care. Love to hear from you. All right, I'm going to jump out of here. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less, I am your host, John Solberg, and I look forward to talking to you again soon.